Bible Truth series, we're talking about the king, and uh, over the last couple weeks, it began with Eve, continued with Shem. We said that about 400 years later, God singles out Abraham to be the father of the race from whom the king shall come. Now, the line of the king's being narrowed down now, and tonight, we're going to continue by pointing out another in a long line of the king. And uh, we're going to talk about Isaac, Abraham's son, for just a moment, and then I'm going to give you something that maybe we can be encouraged by and helped with along the way. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time. <clears throat> We're grateful, Father, already for the, uh, just the time we had about the memory verse and, Lord, the prayer time, or for the choir who sang. And, Lord, we're grateful, Father, for all that's been done already tonight. Fill me with your spirit. Allow me, Father, just to uh, truly say those things which will be most pleasing to you. Lord, I need your Holy Spirit to work in my life and to guide my tongue. Lord, I pray that you would again anoint every listening ear as well. We'll thank you, we'll praise you for what will be accomplished, knowing that without you we cannot accomplish anything. Thank you again in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Abraham was 75 years old when the promise of Isaac was given to him. It would be 25 years before God would fulfill his promise. And this time lapse would really take a toll on both Abraham and Sarah. Now again, having no heir... Abraham assumes his steward Eleazar is going to be the heir. But God, of course, tells him that's not the case. Turn to Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Again, he's thinking, well, you haven't given me a child, so 
I mean, Eleazar, my servant, uh, he, he obviously is going to be my heir. But God says, no, that's not the case at all. That's, that's not going to happen. Look, if you would, uh, Genesis 15, verse 1. <clears throat> After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Well, we see that Sarah, she's going to struggle here a little bit as well, and she's past the age of bearing children now. And one can only imagine the excitement, the expectation that this couple had when they heard the news that they would have their own child a child between the two of them. But 10 years has passed now. No child. And now Abram is about 85 years of age and Sarah's, eight, uh, Sarah's 75 years old and still no child. And that 10 years must have seemed like a lifetime to them. I mean, both Sarah and Abraham. So this weight took its toll again. And Sarah's solution, of course, was Hagar, her handmaid. Abraham, of course, consented, and Ishmael was born to Abraham at the age of 86 years old. But God had other plans again. Look at chapter 17, Genesis chapter 17, verse 18. And Abraham said unto God, O that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. Thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time, in the next year. So God would honor his word, and Isaac was born to Sarah at the age of 90, and to, and to Abraham at the age of 100. Genesis chapter 21, look there, please. Genesis chapter 21, beginning in verse 3. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 21, verse 3. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. Notice verse 8. And the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Verse 10. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. So now there's a child here between the two of them. And as a result now, Sarah's struggling with Ishmael and the handmaid. Um, this is a problem and it becomes a real issue. Sadly, the decision to bear a son through Hagar would begin a conflict that would continue to this very day, really. 
The descendants of Ishmael became known primarily as Arabs or Arabs. There is a popular theory that's common among Muslims and even some Christians that Arabian Muslims are direct descendants of Ishmael. In fact, you know Muhammad, you know in the, 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 uh, uh, that, that particular faith, the Muslim faith, he, uh, is a, uh, he, he believed himself to be of the descent of Ishmael. Uh, and in the Quran, again, there's uh, uh, been talk of that same thing. And so there's most likely some truth to that particular theory. And among the missionary and author, Kenneth Fleming, he says, quote, What we know for certain seems to support the theory that the Ishmaelites are, at the very least, a major element in the Arab genetic line. Old records clearly link the North Arabians with uh, Ishmael's descendants. And so, again, this race of people as a result of this union that took place uh, ultimately would be often, is, is often a, been a thorn in the flesh to the Israelites. Now, primarily now, it's more of a religious issue than it is even just the people against one another. It's more, okay, the, the, the Muslim faith versus, say, uh, the, um, uh, you know, the Jewish faith, that kind of thing. But, um, boy, I'll tell you what, this, that decision was not a very good decision. And uh, we find that hasty decisions often lead to disappointing ends. And that's what we learn. And it can be very difficult to wait on God in His perfect timing, no doubt. But that's exactly what we're commanded to do. Take your Bible, turn over to Psalm chapter 27. Again, now we have Isaac that's been born. And again, from Abraham it goes to Isaac. And now it'll be one of the offspring of Isaac that will ultimately continue the line of the king. But tonight I want to continue for just a few moments and talk to you a little bit tonight about the subject, some tips to help us wait on the Lord. Because if there was ever an issue that created problems, it was this one as a result of being unwilling to wait on the Lord. And I understand that it took 25 years for it to come to fruition and to pass. However, the fact is is that the decision that was made in, in haste ultimately created as we said, disappointing ends. Now, notice what it says in Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, you and I are prone as human beings to take matters into our own hands, and in doing so, we often create a mess. A mess that could have been avoided if only we'd have been patient in waiting on the Lord. So let me give you just a couple of tips of how to wait on the Lord. You know, how, how, how can we get that done? Because we're so tempted and it's so easy not to wait on the Lord. What are some things we need to remember? All right, glad you asked. Number one, remember the pain of not waiting. Remember the pain of not waiting. When you, when you, you start thinking about the mess that not waiting put you in or a loved one or a friend in, that's a good thing. You need to remember those times. Times when you jumped or you responded or you did without waiting on the Lord. You sought, you didn't maybe even seek the Lord's uh, direction or leadership. And boy, you say, man, what a mess I made trying to take the bull by the horns, trying to handle the situation myself. Well, we think about not waiting in relationships. I mean, you think about even friendships. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 20, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Boy, sometimes we want a friend so bad, we'll just take anybody on as a friend. That's not a very good idea. 
You better pray about it. You better wait on the Lord. You better make sure that it's of the will of the God and that it's in His, that He believes this is a good person for you to be a friend with or to. And not so much to, but to be with. Because see, when we, we say someone is my friend, what we're really saying is, is that I'm giving them the opportunity to influence my life. And that's important. Now, I can be your friend and influence you, but if you're going to be my friend, then I have given you permission to influence me. And it's important that we don't let people pick us as friends, that we pick our friends. Just because you want to be my friend doesn't mean I'm going to be your friend. I choose who my friends are. Because I understand that the moment you become a friend to me, that I have submitted myself to your influence. Young people, there are some teenagers that you might be a friend to, but you don't want them being your friend. You can try to influence them, but you don't want them influencing you at this point in their life. You don't just be, well, you know what? I'm going to let them be my friend because everybody needs a friend and I want to be a good Christian. You be a good Christian first, and if they are good Christian, then let them be your friend. And if your parents approve, mind you. That's a good starting place right there. By the way, you shouldn't have friends unless your parents approve. If you'll start with just your friends and say, Mom and Dad, is it okay for them to I, I really get beginning to like them? Do you, you, would it be all right for them to be my friend? I think that's a good thing. That'd be wise of you to do that. Very wise. I don't think there'd be a parent in the room who'd be like, don't, you don't ever have to ask me that. You just be friends with whoever you want. They'd be like, huh? Wow. They'd love that. So honestly, be very, very careful because you get with the wrong people and allow them to influence your life. You don't wait on the Lord. You just assume that, oh, well, they go to church, so they must be a good person. I'm just going to go ahead and let them be my friend. Next thing you know, a companion of fools shall be destroyed. What about romantic interests? How many have rushed into marriage or into a relationship or possibly into intimacy that should have followed such a commitment and we find themselves in a real mess? Listen, I'll tell you, it's important that we learn to wait on the Lord. The Lord has exercised and expressed some real desires for us. We need to follow His desires, and we need to be willing to wait on certain things in our life till God says it's time. If we'll do that, we'll avoid a lot of trouble in our lives. We think about relationships. What about purchases? Uh, you know, you think about a car or a house or either some other major decisions in that realm. In Luke chapter 14, turn there, would you? Luke chapter 14, verse 30, 28 through 30. Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30. Abraham and Sarah got in a bit of a hurry. They started to question whether or not God really was on their side, maybe. They started thinking, maybe he forgot about us in the midst of all this. We're kind of miserable right now. And we thought that there was a real future for us and, a, and, 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 and having a child and offspring. And maybe God, maybe we misunderstood the Lord. Maybe it's not like he, we thought he, he was planning on doing it. He's going to do it differently. Uh, well, how about Eleazar? Well, I'll tell you what, we don't have a child yet. So let's go ahead. I'll tell you what, you can have my handmaid and we'll have a child through the handmaid. And that'll be our heir. Uh, wow, I'll tell you what, we're not waiting on the Lord. He never changed his mind along the way from what we can tell in Scripture. And yet all of us have been prone to get a little anxious, and as a result of that, sometimes we step out without God's, well, full 
approval. Look in Luke chapter 14, verse 28 through 30. The Bible says, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest happily he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it uh, to mock him, all that behold it to, uh, begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. How many times have we started something that we couldn't finish because we didn't wait on God? You know, and not just a building, not just a house we constructed. Maybe we're in that house now, but we can't even afford to pay the bills. We wonder, how in the world I get there? Let me ask you a question. Did God put you there or did you just get there? And you say, well, I prayed about it. I'm not asking you, did you just say, Lord, if you want us to have that house, give us a loan. You can get loans pretty easy these days. But I'll tell you what, it's not as easy to pay them off. And all I'm saying is you need to be extremely careful that you don't jump, that you don't move so quickly. Listen, we've got to learn the pain of not waiting is something we cannot forget. If you've ever made a bad decision and you've moved into something too quickly and you didn't wait on the Lord, you didn't give God his reasonable opportunity to put the brakes on, then you need to say, I remember those times and I don't want it to happen again to me. Or I don't want it to happen like it did to my aunt or uncle or my grandma or grandpa or my mom or my dad. I want things different. I'm going to wait. Decisions in general. Think about Lot and his decision to go toward the well-watered plains. You say, well, is that of the Lord? I don't know, but I think there's some biblical principles that would govern that kind of decision making. And I think that he should have deferred to the older man. As a result of that, he got himself in a big mess. And when it's all said and done, he lost his family. And even the two daughters that ultimately he had were so corrupted because of the lifestyle and the culture of that, that place that they lived that ultimately things went awry real quickly with them too. It's really sad, the situation, isn't it? All because he got in a hurry. All because he allowed his eyes to see something instead of waiting on the Lord to give him direction and leadership. Man, I'm going to tell you what, there are so many, I, listen, you, you do things the way you want to do it, but I'm going to tell you this, just because it seems like a door is open does not mean it's God moving you through it. You be real careful with that. And I'm telling you, well, you know, if, if God didn't want me to have this brand new car, he wouldn't have uh, gave me a thousand extra dollars from my old car, and he wouldn't have given me this car, and this is the exact same color I wanted all along, and uh-huh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Listen, just because you want it doesn't mean God wants it for you. You better be careful with these things. I'm just telling you, be careful. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Remember the pain of not waiting. Number two, remember God is in control. You got to remember that. Hey, listen, the God of this world may... He may, he may have pull when it comes to the economic, political, religious, and social um, uh, situations in our world. I mean, he pulls the strings in those areas. I understand that. But his power is limited and can be trumped at any time by our God. Don't think for a moment God can't step in and say, uh-uh, that's not how it's going to go. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says, Ye are of God little children and have overcome them, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. See, bear in, mind, bear in mind that you and I are not at the mercy of others. We're in the hands of God. Keep that in mind. 
You know, we're guilty again of making those rash decisions. We look at the house or we look at a car and we think, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want. And we feel we're going to have to, we're just going to have to place a bid now or someone else is going to come along and swoop it out from underneath us. How many have regretted such hasty decisions? We were talking to a couple the other night, just last night, and uh, uh, the, the lady and her, her husband were sitting there, and we were just sitting around their, I don't know what that thing was, but it was burning incense or something, I don't know, but we were talking, having a good time just talking, and she brought up the fact that that house that they were in was a house that she grew up close to, and she always loved that house, and when it went up for the market, she thought, I got to get in there and look at that, and she looked at it, it was like, this is perfect. She told her husband, we gotta, oh, this is the house, we got to have it. He said, now, we're going to wait and see if, it'll, just see, see if it'll just lower, it'll come down. It's too, the price is too high. Let's just see if it'll come down. They waited and they waited and they waited and sure enough, the price started coming down, coming down and they bought the house. He could have jumped on that. I don't know how much more he'd have had to pay, but I can guarantee it would have probably been a lot more than he did. And can I tell you that he's just waiting. Sometimes just waiting. You say, but they could have lost the house. I know, but they also could have been put in a position where they couldn't afford it either. Again, we're not at the mercy of others. Proverbs 21.5 says, The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. Proverbs 29.20, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Well, being hasty doesn't seem to bide well, whether it's in decision making or whether it's in our speech patterns. I mean, again, when we jump for fear of losing something, that's not the way to do things. A good rule to live by is simply this. If it is of God, it will be there down the road. I I mean, even with relationships. You know, some of you young people might be tempted. You'll get involved with somebody. You'll kind of like somebody, and your parents will be like, this isn't the time. It's not a good time right now. Oh, but they're perfect, and I know God wants us together. I, I don't think it's a good idea right now. Let's just be patient. Just wait. You know, if the Lord wants the two of you together, you'll be together. You'd be surprised how many people have been spared a nightmare life because they were willing to obey their parents when they said, this isn't the time to go forward with that yet. We think we know what's best because we know what we want. But what we want's not always what's best. And God puts people in our lives sometimes to give us insight and understanding or to say, hey, put the brakes on a little bit. Slow down a little bit. And sometimes when we says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord is often waiting on your authorities to give you a green light too. Because you can't be right with God if you're not right with your authorities. Your God-given authority is very important in your life. Make sure that you submit to that. Because if you can't submit to them, you're not submitting to God. And so many times we make decisions based again on our desire, our wants instead of on real quality, insight, and understanding, often from people that may have lived a little bit of life and have seen some of the hurt and the heartache of not waiting on the Lord. Remember God, oh, remember to pray. That's a pretty good one, isn't it? I mean, we, we, think, we can't help but think about it, and I, I don't have it in the notes, but think about the, the, the Israelites and the Gibeonites. 
Remember how they come over there and they've got their old shoes on and their, you know, the old wine bottles and, and, and all the old clothing on. And boy, they made it look like they lived so far down the road and really they were local. They were locals. God had warned them, don't enter into a covenant with people of the land. Don't do that. There'll be a thorn in your side. They'll wreck your lives. Man, I mean to tell you, when they showed up that day and they had all that moldy bread and everything, they said, man, you guys must have traveled a long ways to get here. We sure did. We heard about your escapades. We hear about how powerful of a nation you are, how strong your God is, man. We look up to you so much. You guys are awesome. We want to be your friends forever. How about entering into a covenant with us? Oh, okay. Man, they signed the documents right on the dotted line. And then all of a sudden they said, Somebody came along and said, hey, man, who are these guys? Oh, these are those Gibeonites. They live way out there. Gibeonites? Man, my cousin just bought a chariot off of one of them. They live right down the street. Huh? Well, we better get out of this thing. God said, you ain't getting out of nothing. You did not call on me. You did not seek my face. You didn't pray and beg me to give you insight and understanding and wisdom. Guess what? You get to live with it the rest of your days. And boy, did they ever. All because they failed to pray. They would not wait on the Lord. They thought they had to jump. We're being good Israelites. We're going to enter into a covenant with these people. We want to be friendly with everybody. It cost them and their children and their children's children and so on and so forth all the way down the line. Prayer puts the ball in God's hands. By the way, His hands are strong and capable. In Luke chapter 18, 27, the Bible says, And he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Years ago, we were trying to purchase some land, of course, for the church. And, and there was a five-acre stretch of land. It was about $86,000. And I still remember going to the gentleman that owned the property. And I said, Listen, we might be, we'd be interested in this property. We'd love to get it. But there's a few things that have to take place prior to us actually being able to purchase and occupy it. We have to talk to the, to, to, to the local authorities and get permission for certain things. I've got to get with the, um, what was it, the, um, uh, had to have water samples taken and things like that. The EPA had to give us a green light, all of those different kind of things. And I still remember the guy saying, really? Okay. He said, well, you know, how about you just put a little bit of, uh, you know, um, earnest money down? I said, dude, I'm putting no money down. If God wants us to have that property, we'll have it. Oh, well, okay. Three months later, we still hadn't put any money down on that property, and we got word back that the most we could build on that property without putting some kind of major, major cash, like $100,000 in the property to start with, was like one hundred and sixty. dollars And I told them I needed a 500-seat a auditorium eventually. And they were like, I said, sorry, I can't, I can't do it. I really feel bad. They put me off all this time. He went, you know what? No problem. I just was going to wait, just seeing what the Lord was going to do with you guys. I said, great. Not one thing. Didn't have to worry about getting our check back. Didn't have to worry about any of that mess. We bought the Pawnee property. I remember going to the, um, the real estate agent came over and showed us the property and said, listen, here's the deal. You know, this is what it costs. I said, we'll take the property. So, okay, you got to put something down. I said, we're not putting nothing down on it. No, we're buying the property. We'll just go. Well, somebody might come in and take it. I said, if the Lord wants us to have it, we'll have it. And sure enough, we had it. Never put a dime down on it. We just went and got the loan and then paid it, and that was it. And we paid the loan off, and we own it, and all that good stuff. All I'm saying is sometimes we jump because we think we've got to do things the way the world does. 
We forget that God's still in control. We forget that prayer still works and God answers prayer. Man, I mean, it puts, it puts the ball in God's hands and God's hands are strong. You say, what if we wouldn't have got that property? What would have happened? Well, something better. You got to believe that God's big enough to do the impossible. I mean, there's some, obviously, some decent, there's practices we have to follow through with. There's certain things we need to do. I get all that. But I'm telling you, a lot of times we've been told this is how it has to be, and you just assume, well, I got to do it. Well, why don't we just wait and see what God wants to do sometimes? Prayer engages God on our behalf. In Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me, and I will answer thee and shew thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Number four, remember God can be trusted. You can trust God. Psalm chapter 18, verse 30 through 32 says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He's a buckler to all those that trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? And who is our rock save our God? If it is God that girdeth me with strength, uh, it is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. Isn't that interesting? God makes his way perfect. But you notice it's already because God's way is already perfect. See, you know, what, you know what's a funny thing is today, and I've been noticing this, it's driving me nuts, and I've got to close down, but it's driving me crazy. It's, it's crazy to me today how everybody that needs help is trying to help everybody. You ever notice that? Everybody who's struggling with their mental capacity and state of mind is trying to let everybody know how it's okay to struggle with your mental mess. Everybody that's struggling with, I mean, we're getting on, I'm an influencer today. Well, what are you influencing people? I'm trying to help them understand that it's okay to feel confused in the world. It's okay not to have any direction. It's okay to be a mess in your life. It's okay. I want everybody to feel comfortable with being screwed up like I am. I'm amazed how many people are out in the world today telling everybody else how to be messed up and that it's okay. It used to be if you wanted to be a millionaire, you went to somebody that already got a million dollars and say, how did you do it? Today, we go to people who haven't gotten there and say, how do you get there? I'm listening to you. Oh, you make sense. Oh, I can tell you how to make a million. Have you made a million? Well, no, but I can tell you how to do it. That's what we're seeing on the internet today. All these teenagers trying to tell teenagers how to live, and little eight-year-olds trying to tell everybody how transgenderism is okay, and this stuff's ridiculous. People don't even know their own identity, biblical identity, trying to tell you how to feel and how to think. And you stay off that mess, and don't you allow them to influence your life. Man, we're not waiting on God anymore so many times. Instead, we're trusting in other people. But I'm telling you, you can trust God. His way is perfect. And the only way your way will be perfect if you follow His way. You follow somebody else's way, it will not be a perfect way. It'll be a mess. I'm very frustrated with it. I'm sick and tired of listening to people telling our teenagers how to succeed in life when they can't even succeed in their own lives. Bothers me. And you parents better be careful who you're letting your children listen to and watch on that stupid YouTube and all that other stuff. There's a bunch of crazy people out there that have, that you would think have huge empires. They've earned something along the way. They've earned nothing. Anybody can just get a microphone and a recorder plug it into their computer, and bam, they've got a voice across this world. 
That's scary, isn't that not scary? Why do you think we're so freaked out about everything going on in our world? Because we hear about everything constantly and continually. It's like we can't get away. We can't walk away from nothing. It's like it's in our face. It's in our ears. It's in our minds constantly. Because everybody's talking about it. But they're not all talking about it. There's just a handful of people talking about it. The problem is they have access to this world wide web. Everybody thinks it's all over the place. It's not. Do you know there's more people like you and me in this United States of America than the ones that are causing all the trouble? Do you realize that we are the majority, but we think we're the minority? Why? Because their voices are so loud. His way is perfect. Remember, God can be trusted. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord in your life. Be willing to lose something that you think is important in order to get God's stamp of approval on it. You'll be better off without what you think you need and it would have been something you could have enjoyed than to have something you don't need and God didn't stamp it. Ten things you can use that will be a blessing to you, but let one not be and that one thing will ruin your life. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, he shall strengthen thy heart. Let me just give these to you and I'm done. Remember to die daily. Number six, remember it's either his will or your will. It's one way or the other. It's not, it can't be both. It's either his way or your way. This idea today, well, my way is God's way and God's way is my way. No, no it's not. It's either his way or it's your way. And that's why he says, wait on the Lord be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. It's funny. Wait on the Lord, and wait on the Lord, and be of good courage. When you make up your mind to wait on the Lord, he shall strengthen thine heart. Well, you'll get through it. You'll deal with it. But you've got to make up your mind. Because the moment you make up your mind, that takes a little courage right there. To say, you know what, I'm willing to do without something if I have to because I want God's favor and approval on this decision I'm going to make. I'm waiting on him. And all of a sudden God says, you know what, I like that kind of resolve. I'll give you the strength. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What a wonderful place it is. It's one of the most frustrating places to be in your life, the waiting area, the waiting room. That's, but you know where Christians live their lives? In the waiting room. We spend more of our time waiting on God than we do anything else in life if we're doing it right. You're much better off to wait than you are to act. God has plenty of good things for us, but many of them come over time. We've got to learn to be patient and wait. The best things are worth waiting for. The devil's about immediate gratification, but most of God's best things require patience. So, all of that, just as a result of trying to just say, hey, Abraham, Sarah did not wait the way they should have. They jumped the gun, and as a result, they made a mess. Yep, God blessed them anyway, and God will bless you probably too. I mean, that's just the way he is. He's so good to us. But there was always that problem back there. I, I can't even imagine how many times Abraham and Sarah got into it a little bit over this situation with Hagar and Ishmael. 
You know, they eventually sent Ishmael and Agar away. The relationship was severed. It wasn't done right, and as a result, it cost them all. Everybody got hurt. Boy, listen, wait on the Lord. So we've learned that the king would come through Eve, Shem, Abraham, and now Isaac. We're narrowing down the field. It won't be long. We'll be meeting the king. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you for all you do for us. And again, Lord, just simple thoughts tonight about waiting. Lord, every one of us in the room have gotten anxious and probably made decisions that we shouldn't have because we didn't wait on you. And Lord, sometimes it's hard to know when, when not to move. And sometimes it's difficult because, you know, we want to do the right thing. We really do. But sometimes we just fail to be patient like we ought to be. I believe we want to be in your center of your will because there's no better place to be. But again, Lord, in this old flesh, it's so tempting to jump, to somehow think that we know what's best. Help us to be patient and wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and let you strengthen our heart. Oh God, we need you tonight. Bless us. And as parents, may we set good examples of being patient, waiting on the Lord so that the decisions we make will be viewed as wise. And as our children see wise decisions, they'll see us as wise men and women able to help guide and direct them through their difficult years even. Help us, Lord, we need you. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every